to The Drummer and the Great Mountain, a podcast where we share effective tips and practices for working with adult ADD, ADHD in a natural, effective way without the use of medications. Each episode, join me, your host, Batman Saram, along with the author of The Drummer and the Great Mountain, Michael Joseph Ferguson. Join Michael and myself in an interactive discussion of sharing our stories as we journey together in transforming what can be the gift of being what we call hunter types. This podcast is intended to be your audio companion to the book written by Michael, who joins me each episode where we both will strive to foster dialogue, give you our personal insights, and share both of our experiences on this similar path that we are all on. Our intention and hope is that along with the book, this podcast gives you an additional perspective as you listen to us delve deeper into each chapter of the book to give you even more tools to go along with what it is that you are reading. Visit us at drummerandthegreatmountain.com to purchase the book and look for more tools, tips, and updates, as well as giving us feedback on this podcast. Join our growing global community of creative types, entrepreneurs, and out-of-the-box thinkers on our shared journey. Welcome to the Drummer and the Great Mountain Podcast. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Michael Joseph Ferguson. How are you all doing? This is our hundredth episode. And in today's episode, we're going to be sharing the recording of the live presentation, an event we did on August 15th that many of you joined us on. And we'll be covering the basics, a holistic approach to ADHD. And so this was a video presentation as well. So if you'd like to get the visuals for this episode, go to drummerinthegreatmountain.com forward slash the basics. You'll be able to see the entire video presentation. And with me today, I have my partner, Questa Lee. We want to share a little bit about uh, the journey since 2015, have a couple thoughts on just where we've come from and where we're going. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, we're really looking forward to sharing the presentation from last week, The Basics. And even if you've been with us since the beginning, since 2014, 2015, it's a great refresher. We all need a reset every once in a while. So it's a great refresher to just go back and review uh, the building blocks of all of the work that we share. As I was reflecting on this, as we think about since 2015, um, we've watched people come through our workshops and coaching clients, um, start families, graduate college, start new businesses, become ADHD coaches, have midlife rebirths, uh, find jobs they really thrive in. It's been an amazing journey to support all of you and to be connected to all of you as you went through your journey of refining and dialing in how do you work with the wiring that we have and how do we thrive with it. And it's definitely not easy. There's still so many pieces that um, I continue to struggle with. I you know, have to wake up every day and shake things off and keep moving. But if I come back to a lot of the things that we're going to discuss today, it always gets me back to center again. And you get the toolkit and once you have it, um, then it's much easier to get back up if you get thrown off and it's much easier to know what to do when you're feeling fuzzy or 
have a lot of internal negative dialogue. You've got some tools to like get you back online again and keep yourself moving. In the beginning, we didn't know at all where this would go and whether it would connect with anyone. And I want to give a big shout out to Bem and Saram for all the work he did in the beginning to get this podcast up and rolling. Uh, I can't say enough of gratitude. Um, he edited the first podcast. You hear the music, his music at the beginning and the end of this podcast. And he was in some of the many of the earlier episodes. So big shout out to him. It just gave so much energy and momentum to this work. And we didn't know we put these podcasts online. We had no idea where it would go. It's been amazing to see how many people have been touched by this work. And also it's just, this was a journey of finding things that helped me initially and then helped my coaching clients, then being able to share those with all of you. So it's so wonderful to see so many familiar faces last week and also just to see so many new people joining us. One of the things I enjoy the most in our workshops, and we know so many of you from all over the world from the podcast, is just seeing all the places that you join us from all over the world. And we also have some exciting podcasts planned for the near future, so uh, looking forward to sharing. sharing lots more uh, new and hopefully very helpful things with you. Okay, just a few notes before we play the presentation. Uh, So coming up on August 26th in a few days, we have our mind mapping workshop, Learn How to Mind Map. If you have not taken this workshop, I highly, highly recommend it. It is the number one productivity tool for people with ADHD, in my opinion. It's just so essential for learning how to reduce your overwhelm, up-level your productivity, break down complicated tasks, map out projects, plan your day. I'm staring at a mind map right now as I'm recording this. I can't say enough. It is the tool that can really make a big difference in your life. If you struggle with things flooding together or not knowing how to organize your thoughts or plan your day, this is the workshop for you. So if you're interested, go to drummerinthegreatmountain.com forward slash mind map workshop and hope to see you there. And then we'll have a time management workshop coming up on September 23rd and 26th. That'll be a two-day workshop. Uh, You can go to drummerinthegreatmountain.com forward slash workshop to check that one out. Both will will be recorded, so you'll have access to the recordings indefinitely, as well as all the course material. So if you don't have a print copy of our book, The Drummer in the Great Mountain, and you would like to get one, um, we are doing a special promotion right now, which we offered in our event last week, but we wanted to put it out to our podcast listeners as well. Um, We're doing 15% off. So if you go to the website to purchase the book, you can use the coupon code THEBASICS15, all lowercase, um, and you will receive 15% off the purchase of our print book. So looking forward to connecting with you all very soon. Again, if you want to get the visuals from this episode, go to drummerinthegreatmountain.com forward slash the basics. And here's the presentation. So here's the strange paradox. There is a high percentage of ADHD among successful artists, entrepreneurs, and athletes. There is an equally high percentage of ADHD among prison inmates, addicts, and the homeless population. 
According to Psychology Today, people with ADHD are 300% more likely to start their own company. So what accounts for this strange dichotomy? This is, it's a weird wiring. It's like, how does that, how do you put those pieces together? And the starting point that I would like to propose is ADHD is a neurological type. It's not necessarily a disorder, although the challenges are real for sure. So common symptoms, as many of you know, are zoning out, distractibility, struggle completing tasks, so follow through, tendency to overlook details, poor listening skills, hyperactivity. So that's the H in ADHD. Many of you do not have that hyperactivity. There's technically three types in terms of diagnosis. There's impulsive, hyperactive, there's inattentive, indistractable, and then there's combined type. So the strengths, the common strengths for us are we tend to be creative as a whole, people wired this way, imaginative, non-linear thinkers. Non-linear, I want to underline that. We're going to come back to that in a bit. We're, we tend to be initiators. Many of us are autodidactic, meaning we're self-learners, and that's how we like it. We tend to be adaptive and resourceful. We're adventurous, passionate, inspirational, intuitive. These are common phrases for people who tend to be wired this way. It's not everybody, but many of us. The challenges are focus, staying focused on something for long periods of time, impulsiveness, being disorganized, having a fluid perception of time, so having a challenge of perceiving how long something has taken, how long time has passed, as well as predicting how long something will take. Caught by stimuli, follow through and completion challenges, procrastination, hypersensitivity, hyperactivity, rejection sensitivity. It's a very common wiring for artists, creative professionals, and entrepreneurs. So that's a big chunk of our audience that I know listen to us. So I'm a proponent of, of the hunter-farmer theory of ADHD. I am supporting this as a very useful metaphor in terms of a management strategy for the challenges we have. It was first proposed by Tom Hartman in 1992, attention deficit disorder, a different perception. Up until about 10,000 years ago, all humans were hunter-gatherers. Every human being, including every single person gathered here today, has hunter-gatherer ancestors. We all do. It is in our genetics. No one is exempt. 10,000 years ago, survival drastically changed. Once we started farming, the traits needed for survival shifted. Engaging in repetitive tasks was part of survival. Taking a long-term view, looking ahead, was now important for survival. So if you think about it, if you're a hunter, you're going out, you're going on the hunt. That is a very specific kind of lifestyle and energy. When things shifted to agrarian culture, things shifted. And so certain people and certain wirings were more beneficial in that particular form of survival. So Successful traits needed for being a hunter. You would have to hyper-focus for short periods of time. You would need to have an ability to be distractible because if you were going into potentially a life-threatening situation, you want to be able to use all your senses to take in what's happening because you could be the one hunting or you can the one you could be the one being hunted. Hypersensitivity to the environment. 
you'd have to be completely in the moment if you were going to be a good hunter. And time horizon is minutes and seconds versus months and years, which would be what would be necessary as a farmer. So the benefits of being distractible are creativity. So when you're distractible, you're seeing and making connections that other people don't make. And I know many of you have this feeling where you feel like other people are moving much slower than you are, and you can think much quicker. That is a gift of this wiring. Creativity often requires an ability to be distractible. So it's connecting things together, drawing from many wells of inspiration for their imagination. So throughout history, People have been wired this way. This is not a new phenomenon that happened the 10 or 15 years ago. This is something that has been in the gene pool for a very long time. And also benefits of distractibility is innovation in any field requires creativity and out-of-the-box thinking. Countless jobs require creative problem solving, and that is something that we are very good at. Hunter types can thrive in these positions. So benefits of the hyper-focus, one of the common traits that we have where we can just zone in on something for long periods of time and everything else falls away. So one of the, the benefits to that is its ability to master a skill. Like that is part of, if I polled a lot of you here, many of you have mastered at least one skill to a very high degree. And you spent many, many, many hours doing that. This model is helpful. It gives you a metaphor. If we just could just study something and integrate it instantly, then it would be no problem. But the reality is we're storytellers. We're, we take in metaphor much more readily as a form of integration than we do information. The reality is we need metaphor and story and poetry to get deep into our wiring so that when we get up in the morning, we have some metaphors that help us throughout our day. Okay, so the brain chemistry of ADHD, let's talk about this. So for most of us, it's genetic, meaning that you will, and I always ask new coaching clients, who is who in your family was the hunter type? And it's usually dad or mom or both. Of course, it was dad. Dad was totally our mom. And it, you know, it leans more towards men than women, but I'll say with, within our group, I'd say it's 60 to 70% women that come into our, our work. It's associated with the genes DAT1 and DRD4. It's the variance in the gene has been in the gene pool for humanity for thousands of years, and it connects to the neurotransmitter dopamine. Dopamine affects focus, learning, and motivation. Stimulating tasks can hold our attention, non-stimulating tasks don't. As a general rule, we have less dopamine receptors. It causes us to be restless and slightly distractible, and it is connected to those genes. It gives us that sense of restlessness. And also the challenges are, it gives us a fluid perception of time is one of the manifestations of this. Challenge with long-term planning, again, more of a farmer trait. and but it can also be a benefit. It, it allows us to be initiators in terms of the fluid perception of time. If you think you can get it done in like two days, you're going to start it. If you knew it would take two months, you probably wouldn't start it, right? So it's a trick that our brain plays on us. When I wrote the book, The Drummer and the Great Mountain, I thought, oh, it'll take me maybe a year. It took four years. <laughs> so these are the ways that we have to as we again going back to self-awareness when we start to understand here are our tendencies here's how we're wired 
then we can work with it. We can say, I know this is a, a weak point. So I can start to adapt and recognize oh, I need to, to over anticipate how long something is going to take. So in terms of the brain chemistry, why we procrastinate, we typically procrastinate non-stimulating tasks. Those are the things that we tend to procrastinate or things that feel very overwhelming to us. We wait until a task gets urgent when we know we have to get it done. Then we have the available focus necessary to get something done. That is a big part of our wiring. Who can relate with that? Who waits until the last minute and then all of a sudden there's this rush of adrenaline and you have the focus necessary to get the task done? So there's a tendency that is a brain, that's a brain chemistry thing when the cortisol level goes up, when your adrenaline kicks in. There's a dopamine surge and you can focus. So handling dopamine, whether or not you're taking medication or you're doing a diet nutrition focus is going to be a huge part of the mix. So this pattern can be shifted through awareness. I can tell you from firsthand experience for myself and working with other people, and I have coaching clients here so they can attest as well. You can start to shift this pattern up. It doesn't mean that you never procrastinate. It doesn't mean you don't have challenges. You start to work around it because you start to say, oh, my levels of dopamine are probably low. I'm having a harder time focusing or I haven't broken down this task enough so it feels overwhelming. So there's ways that you can work with this. The anatomy of overwhelm is there's a term called flooding, which is basically in your brain, there's a lack of compartmentalization. Everything all floods together. So I got to feed the cat and I've got to get this report done and I have to go shop and like all those things flood together and you start to feel completely overwhelmed. That is a manifestation of how our brain functions. It's a, and it's often a piling up of non-stimulating tasks, those tasks that we have a hard time doing. The same mechanism that also makes us creative. When things flood together, you start to see the connections between things. So that's a, it's a gift and it can be a curse. So finding ways to work with these tendencies is, is what we're looking at here. It's, it's, that's the goal. That's, we want to be able to master how we work with the brain we've been given. One of our biggest challenges being caught by stimuli. This connects with the hunter's type skill of scanning the environment. If you're, again, if you can envision back 10,000, 20,000 years ago, and you need to have food, and there was a giant woolly mammoth, and it could eat, it could stomp on you, or you could that could be dinner for you and the whole tribe. You would have to be very able to scan the environment and take in lots of subtle cues in order for you to be a good hunter. And the modern world has countless stimuli that can ensnare us: phones, gaming, Netflix. So, if you think about it, that same thing that would help you in survival then can be a like you've got so many things that are pulling on you to that it, you're just wide open to be caught by it and if you're not aware of it then again these are this is kind of the roots of how we get addicted to things as well we'll talk about that in a second so i want to talk a little bit about adhd and addiction researchers estimate that 30 to 50 percent of people with adhd use alcohol or drugs to self-medicate their ADHD symptoms. That's a very high percentage. Other studies suggest that close to 50% of the prison population suffer from ADHD. So it's part of the wiring. ADHD and addiction are often closely linked. 
And why ADHD and addiction, all signs point to dopamine. And this is something I got from Dr. Kevin McCauley. It was a giant insight. And it was actually the motivator for me to take the time to write the book. Because I felt like this information wasn't out there and people needed to understand it. Among other things, people with ADHD have less dopamine receptors than the general population. So that's that's sort of the condition. This condition leaves us open to, to a generalized feeling of restlessness and leaves us wide open to being caught by substances and behaviors that stimulate a significant dopamine release. Stress is the primary instigator that perpetuates the cycle of addiction. This is such an important piece. It could just be sugary sweet foods. It could be your phone. You will notice that when you're feeling stressed, you will move towards addictive behaviors. It's part of the wiring. So the mechanism is basically the brain makes note of a substance or behavior that stimulates dopamine. You feel really good, maybe your first drink of alcohol or something that just kicked your kicked the dopamine up and you, it just felt great. When you have something that really registers as like, oh, this substance or behavior is so good. It just, I can't get enough of it. There, this is what's going on in your brain. Step two in terms of the process of addiction is some stressor occurs or merely any form of increased anxiety from coping with life, your cortisol levels grow up. So, okay, you've had the experience of something really yummy in your environment that made you feel really good. Then that day passed and you moved on and then a stressful event happens. And that increased anxiety cued your cortisol levels. They went up and then your brain goes, oh, let's crave that substance or behavior that's going to reduce these, this cortisol level because we can't have this cortisol being this high for that long. It's actually not good for your body. So you start craving something that stimulates dopamine, increases your GABA levels, reduces your cortisol. And so for like that's the addiction. The addiction is solidified because the cravings for the substance or behavior outpace your willpower to resist the craving. And again, it doesn't have to be at a large level. It doesn't have to be just alcohol or drugs. It could be your phone. It could be sugary foods. This is the mechanism. And we are thrown into a modern world that has all this stuff and our brains have not evolved to the point where they can manage it. So understanding this is so helpful in starting to look at, oh, here's what's going on. Oh, I'm feeling stressed and I'm, I'm the craving. Here's the craving. That self-awareness can be very helpful in shifting up this. Now, if it's a very strong addiction like alcohol, drugs, then you have to go into detox. You, you can't, you, your willpower isn't enough to stop it. That's why detox is a necessary component to overcoming addiction. You need to start to rewire your brain to not look for that substance anymore, to do that particular thing. Okay, so what are the essentials? How do we start to work with this? The first order of business is you, we've got to support our brain chemistry in some way. The essentials are a high-protein, low-carb diet, cardio exercise, mindfulness practice, and stress reduction. Those are the things that can start supporting your brain and giving it what it needs to have more available dopamine, more ability to focus, more ability to outpace some of those 
tendencies that we have to get stuck in addiction or stuck in stimuli. And so let's let's unpack this a little bit. An ideal diet would be a high protein, low carbohydrate diet that's lean meats, fish. And if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, aim for complete protein. That's going to be very helpful to you in terms of having a regular diet that supports your brain chemistry and omega-3 fatty acids. You probably should be supplementing with them. There's many studies that show that omega-3 fatty acids support people who have ADHD and reducing their symptoms. As important as what's on the left column is having a diet where you're reducing or eliminating processed foods. The artificial flavorings, colorings, and preservatives, studies have shown over and over again that these exacerbate ADHD symptoms. Refined sugar, which when you're looking at a can or a product that that just says sugar, that is refined sugar. So your body does not do a great job at processing that. It's very hard in the body. It's not a natural substance. When you go out into nature, refined sugar does not exist. It is a processed, highly refined substance. It is something that has been taken and distilled down and things have been removed. So it's hyper sugary. In terms of cardio exercise, I'm a huge proponent of cardio exercise. It's the one thing that when I work with clients and they start to do cardio regularly, undeniably things start to shift. It doesn't fix everything, but it makes a big difference. From my understanding, it increases the circulation of dopamine in the brain, making it more available to dopamine receptors. That seems to be the mechanism that is occurring. That's why it can be so helpful. The benefits for cardio exercise are increases mental focus, reduces anxiety, improves mood, and improves executive functioning. And my general rule of thumb for exercise is if you can do it 10 to 15 minutes a day, if you can't do 10 to 15 minutes, do five minutes a day, make it a daily practice. If you can, the daily practice is actually easier for many of us. If you just tell yourself every day, I have to do some form of gentle or even more robust cardio for 10 to 15 minutes a day, it's going to be easier for you to integrate that than if you say, well, I'm going to do it two or three times a week. Because we have a fluid perception of time that, well, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday is a little harder for us, actually, unless we have support, unless there's people in our lives that we are doing that with that are holding us accountable. And I want to add one more piece to the essentials. As I was going through this, I thought there's another piece here that over time I've seen to be so helpful that I'm putting it on the essentials list, which is the importance of nature connection. Getting out into nature, ideally, they call it green exercise. That's a term that people are starting to use now. Quiet time in nature, exercising your senses. If you listen to the podcast that the interview I did with Kathleen Lockyer, she talks about the science of nature connection, how it affects kids, how it affects adults. Our senses are designed to be out in nature. They don't unfold and in, in, in maximize inside a house. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, to check these two books out. The first one is Last Child in the Woods, Richard Louvre. That is an excellent book. Who has heard that book or read that book? If not, then you you definitely need to check it out. Okay. Kevin, cool. And also, what the Robin knows, John Young. John Young is a tracker. So he is actually carried on the tradition of people doing tracking. He studied hunter-gatherer cultures around the world, and he talks about ways of using your senses and in, in, in nature in very practical ways that 
other cultures have known and continue to perpetuate in their culture for tens of thousands of years. So much of what we talk about on our podcast is mindfulness, becoming aware, being present, being aware of what we're doing in the moment, how we function, but also how do we get to the place where we can start to build practices that calm us down and bring more focus and body awareness. So recent studies show that meditation can notably increase baseline dopamine. There you go. So this is, again, making the connection between meditation and dopamine. It improves our concentration and our mood. It supports us in keeping us calm so we become less distractible. So if you don't like sitting down and meditating, so many of us don't, then consider moving meditation, consider yoga, consider Tai Chi, breath awareness. There's many different flavors of mindfulness practice that you can take in that will support you in calming yourself down and having the focus you need moving forward. And you may need support of a class if it's really hard for you to to wake up and discipline yourself to do this either in the morning or the evening, then having a class, having a trainer, having someone to work with, having a group that you either join online or in person can be very supportive in integrating in a mindfulness practice. Okay, so I want to talk about a general toolkit that may be useful for us in terms of planning scheduling, how do we offset those challenges of fluid perception of time, procrastination? What are some of the tools in our toolkit? Number one, I would say is mind mapping. I'm a huge proponent of mind mapping because it is the tool that I think most of us didn't learn in school and can make a huge difference in how we plan and organize our brains and schedule and make decisions and plan out projects. Mindful scheduling journaling, and just general productivity hacks. I'm going to give you a couple of these in a second. Okay, so what is mind mapping? Mind mapping is a non-linear method of note-taking. It's a tree graph that uses nodes. It always has a central point and subpoints that branch out from each node. There's apps that do this, but then there's also, you can just do this by hand. The benefits of mind mapping for us is it trains our brains to think in terms of containers. So when we're flooding, it's because everything is all flooding together. When you start to do mind mapping, it starts to rewire your brain. You start to train your brain just through using the tool, and it can reduce flooding. And it mirrors how your brain works. So so the mind map was originally designed as a more intuitive form of processing information. What I can say for myself is my productivity went through the roof when I started to do mind mapping. It was the tool I was missing most of my life. Had I had it in school, I would have done so much better. So it can be helpful for planning your day. It can be helpful for mapping out projects. It can be really helpful for creative problem solving when you're stuck and you want to reduce overwhelm. So this is the software that we developed that's based on an open source package. When we do our mind mapping workshops, you get this for free. It is a key tool that I use all the time. I don't know how I'd function without it. I want to talk a little bit about mindful scheduling. When you're approaching planning and and just planning out your day and planning out your week, when you're in especially task management, you want to look at there's two ways your brain perceives tasks. 
there's stimulating tasks and non-stimulating tasks. So non-stimulating tasks tend to be things like reports, emails, planning your day, reading and reviewing information, quality control. These are slides from when I do corporate trainings. Um, cleaning your house, things that are just like there's no urgency really to them, or there's like do your taxes, which has a lot of anxiety connected to it, but it not necessarily a stimulating task until it's two days before your taxes are due, then it's very stimulating. It goes from like not important, not important to like, oh my gosh, like the world's going to come to an end if I don't get this task done. So there's non-stimulating tasks, and then there's stimulating tasks, which are tend to be creative. Things like phone calls and meetings tend to be very stimulating. This is how your brain sees these things. When you're looking at when I'm going to schedule something, your brain is going to be much more able to do certain tasks at certain times of day. So when you're optimizing your schedule, one of the things that I would recommend you do is to recognize that you have higher availability of dopamine, usually in the morning. Okay. So in the morning between 9 a.m. and 1 p.m., and maybe for you, it's like 7 a.m. to 12, you're going to have a little more ability to do the more non-stimulating, tedious tasks. In general, as a general rule, that is, that's when you want to schedule those kinds of tasks. In the afternoon, that's when you want to schedule your more stimulating tasks. Those are the things like meetings, things where there's other people involved, or it's a creative task. If you have you schedule like four o'clock in the afternoon to work on your taxes, it's probably going to be a dumpster fire. It's not going to go well. In terms of getting support, there's four things that could be really helpful for us in terms of having a container created by people around us to support us in thriving. One of them being life coaching. So that's what I do. And there's, I know there's probably a number of life coaches that are joining us here today. Life coaching supports us in getting a structure where we're checking in on a regular basis on our wins, our challenges, and also strategizing with another person, what do we need to do? This is, this is why I originally reached out to a life coach back in 2002, and eventually I then became a life coach. ADHD support groups, there may be some in your area. I encourage you to get, find some places in person where you can get together and talk and be with other people that are wired the way you are. Counseling, especially people that are familiar with ADHD, getting that kind of support, learning some tools from counselors so that you can support how your brain works, as well as just handling the anxiety. There's a lot of um, trauma that tends to go with our wiring. And a lot of that does need to get unraveled a bit. So doing that work with a good skilled therapist can be extremely helpful. And then just peer-to-peer -peer support, finding people in your life that you can say, let's talk once a week. And and I in the book, The Drummer in the Great Mountain, in the support chapter, I map out how I do my coaching practice. So you can use that for yourself as you pull in support in that way so that you can be involved in creating the support you need so that there's no self-judgment, but there's also an awareness that, oh, this is an area where I have a weakness and I need to call in support from there. Okay. So where to go from here? I would encourage you to check out the podcast. If you look, if you go to iTunes, you can type in adult ADHD tips and support. You'll see us pop up. You can also check out, I did a free ebook on ADHD time management. If you go to Amazon, you can look that up. Many of you have already read it. 
That is a free ebook that I basically rewrote the time management chapter of The Drummer in the Great Mountain, and I just put it out there. That's a little more on mind mapping, so you might want to check that out. And you might want to join us in an online workshop or group. We have a couple coming up. I'll talk about those in a second, but you can go to drummerinthegreatmountain.com and check those out. Currently, we don't do any in-person right now. We may do some in the San Diego area at some point, but nothing scheduled as of yet. Everything that we have is online. As a reminder, if you want to get a 15% off the book, The Drum in the Great Mountain, you can go to the website and use the coupon code THEBASICS15, and you can get a copy of it there. And then the workshops we have coming up. So we put these back-to-back because we felt like these would be a good back-to-back support piece. Learn how to mind map. That happens on August 26th from 12 to 2.30 p.m., depending on your time zone. So that's that's in Pacific time. And then we have a second day. So if you can't make that, you'll get the recording of it. And there'll be a second day on the on Tuesday, that following Tuesday, where we do sort of a Q&A after. So the first part is just tr- showing you how it works and, and showing you the software. You get free software with this as well. It's the same software I use. And then we have a time management workshop coming up in September. So it's September 23rd and 26th. And we will be going through how do you build your time management system uh, when you're wired the way we're wired. And that's going to be kind of going into the, the depths of that as well as creating that support you need to build that system for yourself. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about the book, The Drummer and the Great Mountain, visit drummerandthegreatmountain.com. To join us on social media, click the links at the top of the homepage. Help us spread the word. We're a small press and reviews really help. If you've been enjoying the podcast or the book, consider writing a review on iTunes, Amazon, Goodreads or your podcast app. If you're new to the podcast and want to quickly get up to speed on the concepts we discuss, check out our free five-day mini course. Visit drummerandthegreatmountain.com forward slash mini course if there's a topic you'd like us to cover on future episodes we'd love to hear from you please send us an email at info at drummerandthegreatmountain.com